European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance. Volume 44, Issue 33. Focus Issue, Valvular Heart Disease. By Editor-in-Chief, Professor Filippo Crea. And read to you by Morgan Bryan. TAVI or non-TAVI in asymptomatic aortic stenosis, in cardiogenic shock, and in patients with Hyder syndrome. This focus issue on valvular heart disease contains the state-of-the-art review, arrhythmic mitral valve prolapse and mitral annular disjunction, pathophysiology, risk stratification and management by Maurice Enrique Serrano et al. from the Mayo Clinic, Rochester, Minnesota, USA. The authors note that mitral valve prolapse, or MVP, is the most frequent valve condition, but remains a conundrum in many aspects, particularly in regard to the existence and frequency of an arrhythmic form, or AMVP, and its link to sudden cardiac death, or SCD. Furthermore, the presence, frequency, and significance of the anatomic functional feature called mitral annular dysfunction, or MAD, have remained widely disputed. Recent case series and cohorts have shattered the concept that MVP is most generally benign and have emphasized the various phenotypes associated with clinically significant ventricular arrhythmias such as AMVP. The definition, evaluation, follow-up and management of AMVP represent the focus of the present review, strengthened by recent coherent studies defining an arrhythmic MVP phenotypic trait that would affect a small subset of patients with MVP at high risk. The role of MAD in this context is of particular importance, and this review highlights the characteristics of AMVP phenotypes and MAD, their clinical, multimodality imaging, and arrhythmic evaluation. These seminal facts lead to proposing a risk stratification clinical pathway with consideration of medical, arrhythmological and surgical management and have been subjects of recent expert consensus statements and of proposals for new research directions. The medical, percutaneous and surgical treatment of aortic stenosis keeps generating growing interest. In an article entitled Great Debate all patients with asymptomatic severe aortic stenosis need valve replacement. Helmut Baumgartner from the University Hospital Münster in Germany starts the contribution with an introduction noting that aortic stenosis, or AS, has been a significant health burden affecting 2-6% to of the population older than 65 years. The potential rationale for intervening in asymptomatic severe valvular heart disease includes the risk of life-threatening events and irreversible end-organ damage, as well as practical limitations of a watchful waiting strategy in guaranteeing optimal timing of intervention. The potential benefits of intervening in an asymptomatic patient must, however, be weighed against the operative stroke catheter interventional risk and the long-term risks associated with a valve substitute. Current guidelines admit the management of patients with asymptomatic AS, including a normal exercise test, and normal left ventricular function, remains controversial. Decision-making requires careful weighing of risk and benefit. In this regard, 
The fact that catheter interventional treatment of AS is rapidly evolving has an obvious impact, as this may change the threshold to intervene in asymptomatic patients when weighing risk versus potential benefit. On the other hand, the complexity of long-term planning considering the consequences for later reinterventions, the more difficult access to coronary arteries, and other aspects have been recognised. New important data, including randomised controlled trials comparing watchful waiting versus early surgery in asymptomatic AS, have also been provided. Thus, it appears timely to revisit the pro and cons of whether all patients with asymptomatic severe AS need a valve replacement in this fascinating great debate. In a Viewpoint article entitled Immortal Time Bias The Hidden Confounder in Assessing Cardiosurgical Treatment Effects Mahmoud Diab and colleagues from the Jena University Hospital in Jena, Germany indicate that immortal time bias applies to clinical evaluations of surgical therapies in which patients waiting for surgery are exposed to a relevant risk of mortality or even other major adverse events and they need to survive until receiving that potentially curative surgical treatment. The authors note that the only practical way to detect, quantify and potentially avoid an immortal time bias is a prospective intention-to-treat design. Unfortunately for most surgical scenarios, only retrospective registry data exist, and the fate of patients not receiving surgery, despite the presence of a surgical indication, is mostly unknown. It seems that many acquired cardiac pathologies, in which delaying surgery treatment increases risk of mortality and adverse events, need to be re-inspected. In their view, this is the case, for instance, for patients with infective endocarditis if intracranial hemorrhage is present, as well as for patients with severe tricuspid regurgitation. The authors conclude that more prospective, ideally randomised evidence to fully elucidate this issue is warranted. International guidelines recommend screening of first-degree relatives, or FDRs, of people with bicuspid aortic valves, or BAVs. In a clinical research article entitled Family Screening for Bicuspid Aortic Valve and Aortic Dilatation A Meta-Analysis Jonathan Bray and colleagues from the John Ratcliffe Hospital in Oxford in the United Kingdom remind us that the prevalence of BAV and of aortic dilatation amongst family members is uncertain. They perform a systematic review and meta-analysis of original reports of screening for BAV. Databases including Medline, Embase and Cochrane Central were searched from inception to December 2021 using relevant search terms. Data was sought on the screened prevalence of BAV and aortic dilatation. The protocol was specified prior to the searches being performed and standard meta-analytic techniques were used. 23 observational studies met inclusion criteria N equaling 2,297 index cases, N equaling 6,054 screened relatives. The prevalence of BAV among relatives was 7.3% overall and per family was 24%. The prevalence of aortic dilatation among relatives was 9.4%. 
Whilst the prevalence of aortic dilatation was particularly high in relatives with BAV, 30%, aortic dilatation alongside tricuspid aortic valves was a more frequent finding, as there were many more family members with tricuspid valves than BAV. The prevalence estimate amongst relatives with tricuspid valves, 7%, was higher than reported in the general population. The authors conclude that screening family members of people with BAV can identify a cohort substantially enriched for the presence of bicuspid valve, aortic enlargement or both. This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Arturo Evangelista from the Heart Institute in Barcelona, Spain and Hector Michalena from the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, USA. The authors conclude that BAV is a lifetime condition with progressive valvuloaortopathy and high cumulative morbidity burden and therefore needs to be diagnosed in order to implement appropriate lifetime surveillance and timely interventions. These facts should prioritise the early diagnosis. The prevalence of BAV in ascending aortic dilatation is higher in FDRs of BAV patients than in the general population, as highlighted by the study by Bray et al. However, more studies are required to validate the long-term benefit of a BAV screening strategy. The mode of diagnosis can be made cheaper and more effective by point-of-care ultrasound performed by experienced operators or by limited conventional TTE in a routine screening program at the institutional or national level. Ida syndrome is the co-occurrence of AS, acquired von Willebrand syndrome, or AVWS, and gastrointestinal bleeding, or GIB. Aortic valve replacement, or AVR, has been demonstrated to resolve all three associated disorders. In a meta-analysis article entitled Effectiveness of Aortic Valve Replacement in Hyder Syndrome, a Meta-Analysis. Leah Goldstein and colleagues from the University Medical Center Nijmegen, Radboud UMC in the Netherlands, perform a systematic review and meta-analysis to obtain best estimates of the effect of AVR on AVWS and GIB. A literature search was performed to identify articles on Hyder syndrome and AVR up to the 25th of October 2022. Primary outcomes were the proportion of patients with recovery of AVWS syndrome within 24 hour T1, 24 to 72 hour T2, 3 to 21 days T3, and 4 weeks to 2 years T4 after AVR and the proportion of patients with cessation of GIB. Pooled proportions and risk ratios were calculated using random effects models. 33 studies, 32 observational studies and one randomized control trial on AVWS, N equaling 1054, and 11 observational studies on GIB, N equaling 300, were identified. One study reported on both associated disorders, N equaling 6. The pool proportion of HIDA patients with an AVWS recovery was 86% at T1, 90% at T2, 92% at T3, 
and 87% at T4. The pool proportion of HIDA patients with GIB cessation was 73%. Residual aortic valve disease was associated with lower recovery rates of AVWS, risk ratio or RR, 0.20, P equaling 0.014, and GIB, RR, 0.57, P equaling 0.002. Goldstein et al. conclude that AVR is associated with the rapid recovery of the bleeding diathesis in Hyder syndrome and GIB cessation. Residual valve disease compromises clinical benefits. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Lara Waldschmidt and Moritz Seifert from the University Medical Center Hamburg-Eppendorf in Germany. The authors highlight that the present study provides persuasive evidence that AVR effectively restores AVWS and resolves GIB in most patients with Hyder syndrome. Clinicians should consider this association in patients presenting with unexplained anemia or recurrent GIB and relevant AS. Recurring findings point to the importance of optimal hemodynamic results after AVR to achieve long-term resolution of AVWS and bleeding. This is of particular importance as most of these elderly patients are considered for AVR today. Further research is needed to gain a better understanding of the underlying pathophysiology of Hyder syndrome and long-term treatment effects to optimize therapeutic strategies ultimately providing patients with the best care available. While transcatheter aortic valve replacement, or TAVAR, is widely utilized, its safety and efficacy in patients with cardiogenic shock, or CS, a challenging condition, remain largely unknown. In a fast-track clinical research article entitled Outcomes of Transcatheter Aortic Valve Replacement in Patients with Cardiogenic Shock. Kashish Gowal and colleagues from the Vanderbilt University Medical Center, Nashville, Tennessee, USA, note that in this study, the TAVARs performed for CS between June 2015 and September 2022 using Sapien 3 and Sapien 3 Ultrabioprosthesis from the Society of Thoracic Surgeons Stroke American College of Cardiology Transcatheter Valve Therapy Registry were analyzed. CS was defined as 1. Coding of CS within 24 hours on a transcatheter valve therapy registry form and or 2. Pre-procedural use of intropes or mechanical circulatory support devices and or 3. Cardiac arrest within 24 hours prior to TAVAR. The control group was comprised of all the other patients undergoing TAVAR. Baseline characteristics, all-cause mortality, major complications at 30 days, and one-year outcomes were reported. Landmark analysis was performed at 30 days post-TAVAR. Cox proportional multivariable analysis was performed to determine the predictors of all-cause mortality at one year. A total of 309,505 patients underwent TAVAR with balloon expandable valves during the study period. Of these, 5,006 patients presented with CS prior to TAVAR, 1.6%. The Mean Society of Thoracic Surgeons score was 10.76 plus or minus 
The valve was successfully implanted in 98% of patients. Technical success according to Valve Academic Research Consortium 3 criteria was 94%. In a propensity-matched analysis, CS was associated with higher in-hospital, 9.9% versus 2.7%, 30-day, 12.9% versus 4.9%, and one-year, 29.7% versus 22.6% mortality, compared with patients undergoing TAVA without CS. In the landmark analysis after 30 days, the risk of one-year mortality was similar between the two groups. Hazard ratio, or HR, 1.07. Patients who were alive at one year noted significant improvements in functional class, class 1 stroke 2, 89%, and quality of life, delta KCCQ score, plus 50. In the multivariable analysis, older age, HR 1.02, peripheral artery disease, HR 1.25, prior implantation of an implantable cardioverter defibrillator, HR 1.37, dialysis, HR 2.07, immunocompromised status, HR 1.33, New York Heart Association Class 3 Stroke 4 Symptoms, HR 1.50, Lower Aortic Valve Mean Gradient, Lower Albumin Levels, Lower Hemoglobin Levels, and Lower Kansas City Cardiomyopathy Questionnaire, or KCCQ scores, were independently associated with one-year mortality. Goal et al. conclude that this large observational real-world study demonstrates that TAVAR is a safe and effective treatment for AS patients presenting with CS. Patients who survive the first 30 days after TAVAR have similar mortality rates to those who are not in CS. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Bernard Pendergast from St Thomas Hospital in London, United Kingdom. The authors note that this observational real-world study incorporating greater than 5,000 patients in the active intervention arm, is the largest series to date and demonstrates that TAVAR is a safe and effective treatment for the small but increasing proportion of patients with AS who present with CS. Despite the high mortality generally observed in this setting, greater than 90% of patients survived initial hospitalisation and the majority of these were alive at one year with significant improvement in quality of life and functional status. TAVAR should therefore be considered as a definitive treatment for most patients with severe AS presenting with CS, providing that they are anatomically suitable for a transfemoral procedure and do not have prohibitive comorbidities that would curtail long-term survival. Although the present analysis was restricted to patients undergoing TAVAR using contemporary balloon expandable valves for reasons relating to restriction of data sharing, there is no reason to expect different findings after TAVAR with alternative, mainly self-expanding, devices. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will be of interest to its listeners.